From the dazzling heart of Dubai, Edge of NFT had a chance to attend the Future Blockchain Summit to cover the forefront of a digital revolution. We met with industry leaders figuring out how to build tomorrow's Web3 highway and catalyze the success of their partners using the latest cutting-edge technology. We also dig into the vibrant UAE ecosystem and what types of projects are trending. Did someone say AI? So on today's show, if you don't know about Swede, then you'll want to get the latest scoop on this layer one that generated a record-shattering 65 million transactions in a single day. Next, we learned the latest trends on AI and blockchain from one of the top launch pads in the Web3 space. And lastly, stay tuned to a fresh perspective on the crypto macro climate, one of the key voices in our industry, and learn what it was like for her to be a judge on one of the first ever crypto reality shows. Leap into this extraordinary realm of Web3 and the metaverse with us. We're your dynamic co-pilots on this digital journey, and you're tuned in to the Edge of NFT. Welcome to the Edge of NFT, the podcast created by Jeff Kelly, Ethan Janney, and Josh Krieger, the podcast that brings you the top 1% of Web3 today and what will stand the test of time. We explore the nuts and bolts of the business side and also the human element of how Web3 is changing the way we interact with the things we love. This podcast is for the dreamers, disruptors, and doers who are pumped about this ecosystem and driving where it goes next. Hi, everyone. Josh Krieger here, co-host of Edge of NFT, live in Dubai at Future Blockchain Summit. I'm here with Will Riches of Sweet Foundation. It's great to have you on the show, Will. Great to be here. Thanks. A lot going on. It's pretty early in the day, and I'd say this place is bustling, right? Yeah, I think so. A lot of activity. It's our second day here. A lot of these conferences, they start off quite slow in the morning, but I've been surprised how many people actually make their way in the morning. It's great. Yeah, for those that don't know, and we're going to know, this is your first trip here, my first trip. Dubai has quite the scene, any type of food you can imagine, any type of nightlife you can imagine. So it's definitely a work hard, play hard culture, I get the sense. Yeah, I haven't had a chance to play hard yet, personally, (laughs) just working at the conference. But yeah, it's been great fun. Before we get into it, I just want to give the audience a sense of your background, which I think is really interesting. So you're the head of developer relations at Sweet Foundation, which for those that don't know, it's a leading platform for Web3 development with over a decade of experience in cybersecurity. Strong background in mathematics, and you played various roles in blockchain, cryptocurrency, and cybersecurity. Why don't you tell us a little bit about Sweet Foundation? Yeah, Sweet Foundation, it's the foundation behind Pine Suite, new layer one. In terms of the actual like foundation itself, we actually launched before Mainnet, which is quite unusual. So I think that kind of demonstrates how important the community is and supporting builders from day one, which is something we've been really, really strong on. Sweet itself is yes, a new layer one that launched earlier this year. Actually, the backgrounds go back quite a few number of years before that. The Facebook team were sort of looking into Web3, especially on the Facebook platform. You have a lot of microtransactions and things like that. So Web3 was a huge kind of area of interest for Facebook. So they led a lot of research efforts there, which resulted in a number of kind of initiatives. And one was a blockchain that they were developing, as well as a smart contract language. A lot of the team from there, the research team, spawned off after that project was kind of killed internally within Facebook. They spawned off, created the Sweet blockchain. And you joined about a year ago. What got you pumped to sort of be part of this? I've been kind of interested in Web3 for a number of years. As you mentioned, I've got a background in maths and cybersecurity, like finance and investing as well. So all those kind of areas sort of come together. Be very interested in Web3 and blockchain. But particularly in Sweet, I was working within Web3 already for a year or two before. And for me, the kind of developer platform on Sweet was really attractive. It can be very hard to develop on blockchains. 
I think a lot of people when they first discovered blockchain, they saw it purely as a kind of a financial instrument. Mm -hmm. It's definitely the same for me when I discovered the Bitcoin white paper. And Ethereum kind of opened everyone's eyes to the fact it could be a lot more of that. It could be a computing platform. But it's been very difficult for people to actually sort of realize that promise by being able to develop applications which can, can utilize that power of having a decentralized computing network. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. And I know one of your major initiatives to make all this easier is the ZK login, correct? Yeah, that's right, yeah. So break that down for us. Yeah, so I think it's very important for developers to be able to develop easily on the platform, but also for users to actually be able to use the applications. If they're not user-centric applications, then developers also won't be excited about creating those applications. So for us, the actual user onboarding is absolutely critical. So yeah, one of the features we've just released, as you mentioned, is called ZK Login, and that enables you to actually log into services using a Web2 social login, like Google or Facebook. So what that actually means is you don't actually have to have a separate application that creates a wallet for you. You don't have to store a private key or remember a seed phrase or something like that. You can just log in with a Google or a Facebook or a Switch account. So is there a sort of wallet that's being created for you in the background? And is that sort of a fully decentralized wallet or how does that work? For that question, it's useful to break down what a wallet actually is, right? Because a lot of people say like, oh, my MetaMask wallet, as if that kind of is the wallet itself. Yeah. But all a wallet is is something that just exists on the blockchain itself. And a wallet is just an interface for you to be able to access that address or that account that already exists on the blockchain. Right, um, it's there and it's just tapping into it. It's a key. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so this is just another method for you to be able to access what is on the blockchain. So if you log in with a Google or a Facebook or Twitch account that you haven't used already in ZK Login, an address will be derived from your token when you log in. And that's using a zero-knowledge proof, which essentially means there'll be no strong link between the, the social login and the address, so people can't derive one from the other. And yeah, so basically it's automatically created for you. There's no, no setup required or anything like that. So what happens if I lose that email address? Like, is my account gone or is there a way to sort of retrace my steps there? Yeah, if you lose your actual credentials to your login, say for example, your Google login. Or it's compromised. Yeah, yeah. or it's compromised. You'd have to go through the usual methods of recovery for that service. So we would definitely strongly recommend that if you're going to be using, say, a Google account, that you have two-factor authentication on that account, all the usual kind of practices. So yeah, it's not a kind of a, a magic bullet because obviously if there was an easy way for you to be able to recover it, that would also be a risk as well, right? Of someone being yeah, able to compromise. Yeah, that makes sense. Can you have multiple logins? Can you tie it to multiple accounts or is it yeah. one? Yeah. yeah, you can. So behind the scenes, the way that this actually works when you log in, it's using the token from your login, say your Google login, plus the actual application is adding a sort on top of that as well. So people from the Web2 background might be familiar with sorts and how that actually adds protection to, to hashes. It's a very kind of similar process to that. So different applications can use different sorts that they apply. So you can essentially have different accounts for the same login. Makes sense. So that's another option for sort of creating that continuity and, yeah. and sort of de-risking and whatnot. Yeah. There's always sort of some nuance you have to pay attention to with any kind of product, right? Any kind of login experience yeah. for any Web2 or Web2. That makes sense. You just had a pretty successful hackathon, over $125,000 in prizes. Were you sort of instrumental in that? And sort of what were some of the sort of exciting results? Yeah, yeah, it's a really strong focus of ours at, at the foundation. We've done a few hackathons so far, but this was kind of a little bit different because it was for liquid staking. So not only is there that prize pool that you mentioned, but also there's $25 billion of sweet tokens that we're going to be actually staking through those platforms. Oh, very cool. Yeah, yeah. In some ways, it's nicer than the prize money because for a lot of these DeFi platforms, the challenge is actually kind of bootstrapping and getting momentum, getting liquidity on their platform. Yeah, so I've run into many of those entrepreneurs. They have a great product, but getting to that minimal viable level of liquidity is essential 
potential, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. So, so what were some of the winners and sort of the types of things that they were building and were there any sort of surprises along the way in terms of what sort of novel solutions came out of the hackathon? We had five different solutions. So some were just kind of doing the actual liquid staking itself and having interesting ways in how they select validators and things like that. Some were doing some derivatives on top of that with lending and that kind of thing and borrowing. The key kind of part is that all of these were non-custodial liquid staking token derived solutions. So that was the key for us was to kind of ensure that these early solutions from these talented teams are actually kind of non-custodial and using liquid staking in the correct way because if we weren't going to bootstrap that initially you always end up with kind of innovative platforms which are really good for the user but are custodial so that was the kind of situation we didn't want to get into. Did non-fungible tokens fit into the mix at all at the hackathon? There wasn't anything specifically for non-fungible tokens no although yeah we've done other hackathons based on that and we've got some more coming up so yeah if you're in the NFT space then yeah. keep a close eye. Cool what are some of the use cases in the NFT space that you're particularly excited about? Yeah, I think on suite, NFTs is really interesting because everything like is an NFT. We have an object model where every single thing is an object, essentially. And fungible tokens are actually just a special case of objects where they can actually be divisible. So I guess in terms of the pyramid, like NFTs kind of are sort of the foundation. Absolutely, yeah. Doing interesting things with NFTs is natural. We have things like dynamic NFTs and composable NFTs, which aren't using huge numbers of lines of smart contracts. They're just very much built into the actual object model and the smart contract language as just kind of a core principle of the platform. So you can do things like attaching objects to another object. So if you think that in terms of like image NFTs, you might have a character that you attach a hat to, like typically in the Ethereum space, when you do those kind of things where you upgrade an NFT, normally you kind of burn the NFT and then you create another NFT as well and you try and do that in an opaque way so the user doesn't actually see that happening on the front end it just looks like you're upgrading the same NFT right in this case you can literally attach them can you detach them as well yeah you can detach them as well so there's a lot of advantages for that it's a lot more natural for the developer to actually program in that way it's a lot easier on explorers as well because you're not burning NFTs so actually kind of following the history on the blockchain becomes a lot more natural as well and for the user as well saves a lot of money on gas because when you're just attaching something compared to destroying it and creating something else it's a lot more efficient and cheaper and I think more environmentally sustainable I would imagine yeah, as yeah, well absolutely. yeah so I think when we think about sort of the new sort of the new era of non-fungible tokens this is the type of technology that mainstream brands need right yeah. to be able to do what they want to do and sort of not deal with sort of I guess the baggage of that, you know, 1.0, 2.0 version of NFT technologies, that's really exciting. And um, yeah. I'm sure we can dive into that more in the show at some point in the future. But we're here in the MENA region. Something compelled us all to be here. I'm curious, sir, what Swiss perspective is on the importance of this region and what you hope to get out of being at the Blockchain Future Conference. As you mentioned, it's my first time here personally. And it's really exciting, just the buzz here, the amount of talented people that you're talking to. I definitely feel like I'm the least smart person in every conversation. I think that's quite a good feeling when you're in a place like this. And for, yeah, for me, I think it's, from what I know of the region, it's kind of loose in regulations in the right way, but has a lot of very strong regulations in other ways. I've been speaking to some of the like sort of operational teams behind exchanges here and things like that, asking yeah. how they've found it in the region, and they found it really easy because there's thousands of pages of regulations, which takes them a while to read, but they know if they just follow everything to the letter of the law that they are within regulation. So I think that kind of certainty just makes it a lot easier for people to build in the region. Yeah, I mean, there's a playbook, right? I think what's been really interesting in some of the other regions of the world, I'm based in Los Angeles these days, 
is like a lot of people just want the rule book. Just give us yeah. the rules and we'll work with them. I think this technology is pretty adaptable to a lot of different sort of rules. And we in the industry are very creative and innovative to work it out. So having that playbook here really helps sort of encourage innovation. Yeah, definitely. Completely agree. Yeah, cool. Well, it's great to learn more about what's going on in SWE. I guess one more question in that regard is like, you've been with SWE for a year. A lot happens in a year in Web3. Time like moves very fast. Are there any sort of inspirational moments or sort of things that have happened along the way in SWE that maybe the general public doesn't know about or isn't as aware about that you think is particularly notable? Yeah, I think one that probably flew under the radar was a couple of months ago, we had the most transactions ever in a single day on a blockchain. Wow. I think it was like 65 million or something like that, transactions in a day. What caused that? That's incredible. Yeah, we had a quest campaign, basically. So we had some challenges and things like that, and we were kind of incentivizing people to get involved and to take part in games and things like that. So it wasn't a synthetic test. It was definitely organic activity. It was something that we kind of initiated. And I think, yeah, the impressive part was that it actually monitoring everything, all the metrics and the validations and things like that, it just didn't blink at all. I mean, they didn't even register the number of transactions. It was just so easy for them to handle. And yeah, we can go way, way beyond that kind of scale. I feel like that's like that moment where the SpaceX rocket takes off to outer space and everything's smooth and everyone in the control tower is just high-fiving yeah, and, yeah, and cheering. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was definitely within the control tower because we didn't make too much noise about that. Because, right. Like I said, we're very developer-centric, right? We realize yeah. that's actually not relevant to developers at all. They just want to be able to build easily on the platform. Yeah, but it certainly was a testament to sort of why you joined SWE and sort of the effectiveness of the technology that you all are building. Congrats on that. I didn't know that, and that's really cool. So appreciate you uh, hanging out with us today and just getting to know us a little bit better and sharing what's going on with SWE with our audience. Where can folks go to learn more and maybe follow along? Yeah, several places. If you want to kind of read about the sort of high-level stuff, then I would go to the main website, Sweet.io. If you're a developer, head to Sweetocs, just search Sweetocs. If you want to dive into some workshops, probably head to our YouTube channel. All right, Will, thanks a lot for hanging out. Great, thanks a lot for having me. Cheers. You have questions about blockchain? Like, how big of a block can you chain without throwing out your back? Or have you received that chain letter? How did you block it? And does blockchain taste better, barbecued, or deep fried? <laughs> Luckily, you don't have to ponder these quandaries alone anymore, because Blockchain Training Alliance is here to answer them, and also train you in real-world blockchain issues that will impact your business's bottom line and oriented future forward along the ley lines of the most important tech humanity has perfected since harnessing atomic energy. If you're into those sorts of things... Blockchain Training Alliance is a top leader in the field, counting among its clients IBM, Microsoft, Disney, Morgan Stanley, and many more, and offering a wide array of technical and non-technical courses. Whether you're a computer neophyte training for an incredible career in this new space, or a coding expert honing your skills, Blockchain Training Alliance will help you steer your ship home safely, filled with treasure. <laughs> Arg. So hurry and sign up for the Blockchain Training Alliance course that best fits your needs at blockchaintrainingalliance.com. Use discount code EDGEOF for 50% off and start your next block today. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Edge of AI live in Dubai. Thank you to the Future Blockchain Summit for hosting us today. And we're having some really great conversations with new friends and old friends. And in this case, we have Prakash, the CEO and founder of Engine Startup Back, as well as a member of his team, Vase, who's the MENA Managing Director. It's great to have you both on the show today. 
Well, it's great to be back on the show. We did once in LA and now to do it in Dubai. In New York. In New York too, yeah. yeah. So very excited to be journeying and being on the show with you today. Absolutely. So a little bit of background on these gentlemen and then we'll get right into it. As I mentioned, Pakash is CEO and co-founder of Engine Starter, merging two decades of experience and expertise in Web3 innovation as well as digital marketing, gaming, and metaverse launch pads. And Basse, your background is 15 years of wealth management as well as fintech experience fostering you guys as a key player in the Dubai evolving metaverse and Web3 landscape. And for those that don't know, Engine Starter is one of the foremost blockchain gaming and metaverse launch pads dedicated to accelerating the engine ecosystem projects and deepening community and commitment. They have been uh, strong believers in blockchain, AI, gaming, and NFTs. So. Yeah, I mean, I think we did cover the basics of Engine Start at this point, but is there anything else the world needs to know about sort of what you all are doing? Maybe give us a sense of sort of what kind of throughput has happened on the platform over the last few years. Sure. So, yeah, we started out focusing on gaming, entertainment, and the metaverse. But because the bear market, we had to evolve. We started doing a lot of AI projects this year. And with the general hype around AI, the Web3 community also wants to get exposure into that. And that's why we started looking for AI-related projects. Are these AI plus blockchain, AI plus NFT? Exactly. Or are some completely just AI? Or no, 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 they no. are always AI and blockchain. They're trying to solve different parts of the equation. Some of them have done really well. I think one of the exciting projects that we were proud to have posted is a project called Chain GPT. They've grown, they're creating a whole lot of AI tools where, you know, it's backed by Web3 and community can come and create a whole lot of assets on them. They did more than 30x on the IDEO price. We were proud to have delivered some of these good returns to the community and they are now continuing to deliver a whole lot of good work. We're definitely seeing a lot more AI projects coming on, but now we're also a bit more discerning because in the early wave, a lot of them were hype projects, right? They were just riding on the hype, but now we're digging deep to make sure that they actually have the right tool sets, they're really solving the right problems, and those are the kind of projects that we're actually going to be bringing on to the launchpad. So, yeah, along those lines, I mean, it's easy to sort of ride the train and sort of create an AI component in your business that's relatively surface level, right? What are the strongest use cases for AI you're seeing that have like longevity where this isn't sort of technology that can be copied and pasted by somebody else? Like what are some of the use cases that you're looking for and how does a company that wants to use AI with blockchain create a moat? There's so much content creation that we all do. And I feel AI plays a very important part in that. Even with our own team coming out with the content, even developing the content now is AI driven and I think projects like that interest us a lot, tool sets to kind of make the whole content creation space a lot better. From a gaming perspective, if there are tool sets where they're creating NPCs, they're kind of solving some of that ghost town problems that we had with the early gaming and metaverse projects are definitely an area of interest for us. And lastly, what we've been seeing where AI plays a key role in trading, where it kind of helps people become better traders and participate from a trading perspective is something that we're also looking at. We believe these are the kind of infrastructure that we need to build in the bear market so that more people will actually come in in the next bull wave. 
Yeah, I'll mention a few of the other AI use cases I've seen is sort of amplifying community, right? Helping manage your Discord and whatnot. I'm not so sure if, if those are sort of meant to be token-based projects or whatnot. I mean, it's useful technology, but it's more of a SaaS product. I think it's a great use case. I had a co-founder of Toonstar on the show, actually a live podcast in LA, and they have a robot, AI robot, that manages their social media, and their engagement's gone up exponentially with the help of AI. So I think that's really exciting, too, in terms of social media engagement using AI. I think as long as AI kind of solves humanity, solves some kind of a real-world need that we have, I think that use case is going to be very important at this point of time. Cool. We'll get to your role and what you're doing soon, but just to touch on sort of what brought you here, right? Like you have a new sort of impact initiative on Engine Starter. You shared that with me a few months ago and I was sort of curious and I've seen it evolve quite a lot, but for our listeners at home, what is the impact initiative all about and why did you decide to take that approach? I'll backtrack a bit, right? So I'll start with our journey in Singapore and being a Web3 company, it's important for us to be regulated we feel it's part of the growing up process and we actually embarked on this journey into dubai for more than a year now we're in the process of getting a license with vara which is the regulator in this market and that's primarily what has been the focus for us i pretty much spend 50 percent of my time here now in dubai and we see exciting things happening in this space and what we've done is we've taken the last two years of experience with crowdfunding and now looking to apply that into a real-world use case, right? It's something that happened to us post-FTX. We kind of challenge ourselves to say, where is Web3 going to be most applicable? And we feel real-world utility is going to be that use case. And that's where we are now in the process of preparing to launch a regulated launchpad here in Dubai. Oh, wow. Regulated. Yeah, so it's going to be the first. Uh, we're in the process of introducing our brand. Actually, the Future Blockchain Summit is where we're coming out and now sharing this publicly. I love uh, that we're covering a lot of things at the edge. Right? Exactly, right? It's important to come with a plan to kind of launch something. And what we're focusing on is climate finance, right? We feel that there's a global gap in climate finance, and this is where crowdfunding comes in. But we're going to start regulated so that we can bring in large corporates, accredited investors and funds to actually participate in this. Two big aspects that we'll be focusing on, project financing and looking at Web3 to kind of crowdfund some of this and content financing, specifically in climate-related so projects. So this is not just NFT projects? It could be an NFT project, but if it's going to be supporting the environment or if it's going to be supporting bringing up some awareness for a real-world issue that we are facing, definitely but our platform will be applicable. Be a fungible token projects as well? Yeah, it can be asset-backed. We're looking at tokenizing carbon. It could be tokenizing a fund or a fractional part of a fund. So we're definitely pushing the boundary. We're looking at doing more. Business as usual is going to stay. We continue to build in the gaming space, but this is a new brand that we have launched with a new target audience and we're building a new community for this. Very cool. Well, Vasay, tell us a little bit about this region and sort of where Dubai fits in to the overall sort of economic landscape here. How long have you been in Dubai? Six years now. Okay. And where are you from? Pakistan. Pakistan. So obviously something brought you to Dubai and Dubai is continuing to evolve very fast. What are you seeing on the ground here and what's the significance of future blockchain summit and events like this? 
I mean, if you're a founder that needs to build, right, and you have good infrastructure that's available, this is the place to be, right? And I mean, I think that's what's really attracting a lot of people in the Web3 space to come to the UAE. You're easily able to register your, your business. You're able to, you know, get your financial sort of situation sorted. You can meet a lot of investors here. And then the opportunity to get regulated if you really need to, right? And I think FBS or Future Blockchain Summit in itself brings hundreds and thousands of investors together. I heard 200,000 over the course of this week for Jitex is yes. the estimate. Yes, exactly. And I think last year it was 120 or 130,000 in one venue and there was no space to walk, right? So Yeah, just to give folks a sense of it, Future Blockchain Summit is one hall. It's a very large hall over 120 exhibitors out of approximately, there's nine halls here and then there's 35 other halls on the other side of town. So I guess that's like 44 halls of emerging technology and advanced technology. Correct. I mean, there's some fun stuff there as well with the drones and the electric vehicles and everything. Flying cars. <laughs> the flying, flying cars. cars. Yes, there exactly. Right. Right. I have, yeah, there's I one have to get over there. Well. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, this is where all the Web3 and the blockchain action yeah. is, right? So it's super cool to be here with a lot of our partners as well. We're showcasing here. It's a great week for us. Cool. What if folks know that haven't been to the region yet? Why is Dubai important in terms of one of the destinations they want to sort of cultivate partnerships? I mean, that time is gone where people used to look at the UAE as a pass-through where we go in and, you know, spend a few years and earn some tax-free money and leave. I think they've made a really conscious effort to make this into a very sustainable place where people can actually live, bring their families and retire, right? And I keep going back to the infrastructure that has been developed here to be able to provide that. And that plays a key role in sort of being able to build these communities and make them more sustainable as well, right? And I mean, even in terms of how they see sort of the population and everything expanding here as well over the next few years is going to be critical, right? And they take this very seriously. You see the clear goals, right? There's D33, there's the 2040 goal, there's the 2050 goal. It's all very, very clear, right? I think as a founder, that's exactly what you need when you go in is, okay, I know exactly what I can work towards. Makes sense. So as a launchpad, are you all targeting more companies that are based in the UAE? And what does that look like today versus sort of the global sort of participation in your launch pads? It's been quite interesting for us because we've been in the process of setting up and getting licensed, but obviously the existing business is still running. We've been able to partner with at least 40, 50% of the projects from here now. Wow. Because a lot of the founders have been moving here and it's very easy to meet them and sit with them and speak to them, right? And it's really helped sort of the Launchpad bring in these new projects as well. So I think it's always been good. And now I think with the Impact Launchpad coming in as well, we see already a lot of traction with founders here and people who we want to work with. Yeah, I mean, I've been here now for about a little less than a week and I can say that it does have a bit of a family atmosphere. Folks have been very hospitable. I had a chance the other day to do a podcast with two other podcasts, one here, one from Latin America, also based here. 
before that, we had a meal watching the India sort of and uh, Pakistan uh, cricket game. Yeah. Cricket. I guess you said you're from Pakistan. Yes. So I'm sorry. We we, we, we don't discuss cricket. Yeah. Uh, the, the, yes, uh, we've crossed the barriers here of what's off limits, but it was cool to see that type of experience here and to see folks from both sort of unions or fandoms sort of come together and cheer on their teams. It wasn't a very feisty environment, so that was pretty beautiful. I mean, where I was watching it as well, it was both sides both were, sides, you know, yeah. really pushing the agenda. But I mean, better team won at the end, right? So Yeah, I guess the better team does always tend to win whatever that looks like in a given year. Yeah. Cool. Prakash, any sort of closing thoughts in terms of what else we can expect on your roadmap? What's to come? And then where do folks go to learn more about both of your current launchpad and the new initiative? Sure. So let me start a bit with Aya which is a new brand that we have created. What we have done is we created a localized brand. Aya means miracle in Arabic. It's got a new website. It's called aya.foundation. So if there are any impact-related projects out there, we can receive projects from anywhere around the world. Uh, How do you spell that? Uh, Aya.foundation. Okay. Anyone who's got any impact-related projects, we like projects that have a triple bottom line, right? It needs to be commercially sustainable. It needs to be good for the environment. And we need to all look good doing it. And I think that's really what the criteria that we look at. And what's the advantage that we bring, right? We are the only launchpad out there that's going to be regulated and focused on climate finance. And leveraging on our platform, it's going to be a great way to actually launch into this region. The UAE has named 2023 the year of sustainability, and they are also hosting COP28. And I would say it's not just this event, but it's now started this movement where they're actually going to be moving in a big way into impact and sustainability. And now any project from anywhere around the world can use our launchpad as a landing pad into the UAE and eventually expand around GCC. So that's the main value proposition that we will bring. That's quite powerful. Everything will be done in a fit and proper way. And that's really what to look out for. Yeah, maybe I'll pass it on to Vase for a few words too. No, absolutely. Thank you. I think it's what we want to achieve with Impact is to leave a sort of lasting legacy. And we want to bring people in, right, so that there is enough awareness, education around climate change and the need for everybody to not only be aware about it, but also to participate in it and do good, right? So we're going to also work on what we call some digital events where our community will actually be able to come in and participate in, I don't know, for example, planting mangroves or doing some coral restoration work with an NGO that we will partner with in the future. So it's just to get everybody to rally together and sort of then be able to talk about it as well. Very cool. And I know uh, Prakash is on X or Twitter, but are you also on Twitter? I am, yes. Or X. Sorry, yeah. I always get it confused. I'll get there eventually. Where do people find you on X? All my socials are my first name, V-A-S-S-E-H. All right, there we have it. Gentlemen, thank you so much for spending some time with us. I think what you're doing in Impact is so important. I'm proud of the fact that Outer Edge had over 40 Impact projects that we sort of scholarship to the event, and we had a whole Impact Day, and we actually feature an Impact project every week in our Edge of NFT newsletter, every other week. So really important stuff that you're doing, bringing awareness to the power of blockchain and Web3 to make the world a better place. The world is evolving, whether we like it or not, so we may as well make it better, right? So thank you for what you're doing, and great to spend some time with you both. Pleasure. Thank, thank you. you for having us. Hello again, Web3 Curious listeners. 
If you're tuning into our podcast, we'd love for you to connect with us on our social media channels. Let us know what aspects of the show you love and what or who you're eager to hear more about. Your insights help us refine the show and bring you the topics and guests that matter most to you. Thanks for sticking with us. Back to the episode. Hi, everyone. This is Josh Krieger, co-host of Edge of NFT, live in Dubai at the Blockchain Future Summit, having some really fun conversations, actually behind the scenes with Grace. And we had we were like, oh, we should actually talk about this with our audience. So, Grace, it's great to have you on Edge of NFT and to meet you. Thank you, Josh. Thank you for having me. So, funny story, everyone. We actually were at the same party in Singapore for the Killer Whales launch, which was really fun with our partners, Casper. And Grace was one of the judges, but we didn't actually see meet each other at the party so i have to at least ask well we should say who you are and then let's just jump into it so grace is baguette's managing director in world economic forum global shaper she drives your strategy for success and data-driven strategies quadrupling its user base wow and mentoring web3 startups on the upcoming reality tv series so what was it like doing your first sort of entertainment project and did you expect it to be reality tv Totally not. So I was chatting with Josh earlier that I always thought my first TV reality show would be something different, like a dating show or like a tourism show. But it ended up being this crypto show. And it might be one of the largest or the largest crypto show, mainstream crypto reality show, right? So it's launched now or? It's not launched yet. It will launch. Like last time when I checked with their team, it's probably like January-ish. That's what I thought, yeah. So it's coming up, something really exciting to look forward to. There's some um, quite, quite fun people and interesting people. Like we have investors, we have influencers, we have me like running exchange. I'm probably the only Asian, definitely the only Asian female on that panel of like 13 or 14 judges. But some cool. people look at NFT, some look at you know security. We each have our own superpower, which is fun dynamics. Yeah, so did you feel like uh, your personality sort of shifted with the cameras in front of you or that you had to take a stronger point of view just based on sort of your perspective to sort of give some color to these different sort of startups and what they were up to? Or how did you sort of resonate with all the different big personalities on the show? You're right, big, very big personalities. I think also the show when we were doing the production, because I was also the only women on that show, I was also sitting at the corner. Sometimes the producer well well say stop guys could you please be quiet a little bit and let Gracie speak more because I although I'm a very active person but when it's like that crew of very famous influencers and who appear on CNBC all the time I feel I'm like an introverted person already but I think one special value that I bring to the table is my technical analysis and I have this like sharp laser eye when I look at the projects when they were talking about you know user and what are you doing and that's like fun activity what's your background I keep asking questions like tell me more about your growth strategy and what's really happening here given my background I actually study applied mathematics in my bachelor degree I'm also doing a degree at MIT so I'm a very technical person when it goes to you know research and uh, investment opportunities or validating a project that what that's what we do in, at Killer Wells. Makes sense and we'll delve into sort of that a little bit more but let's start yeah. with your passion for making an impact for youth right I thought it was really great that you have a new initiative blockchain for youth what's that all about? 
So Blockchain for Youth is an educational program that we, we ran already this year. During the summer, we hosted at, I think, more than 20 cities around the world, Asia, US, Europe, as well as Middle East, where we invited some guests to talk about blockchain and invited university students coming to attend those events. I'm also initiating something similar at MIT and Harvard, given my connections oh, there. Oh, that's great. Which has like two top schools. I'm also the co-president of MIT Sloan's Blockchain Club. So these are some of the educational CSR activities that both my company is passionate about and like we have investment and resource to make it true, but also it's also my personal passion. That's great, yeah. We had a lot of impact projects at Outer Edge and we did something where we had over 100 youth throughout the city of LA, educating them before the event, a one-day empowerment seminar. So seared my heart too. We'll have to chat more about that yeah, let's, let's uh, do later. Together. But you put $100 million into this fund, is that correct? Not really, so that's another fund. For the educational program, it's a, it's about 10 million that we are investing in. Okay, that's still a lot. Yeah, 100 um, million is another, we call Empower X fund, that's for industrial investment landscape. Also to make impact though. Make impact in the larger sense, but it, we also seek financial impact and influential impact as well. That's great. Well, I love how you're sort of investing in this ecosystem more broadly, and that makes a lot of sense. So you also started a wallet, right? Tell us a little bit more about the wallet, what sort of inspired you to pursue that initiative? Sure, I actually didn't start the wallet, but I get to know BigGet's founder because I was an investor of BigKeep, that's our wallet, decentralized yeah. wallet. So I did that investment in end of 21, and the valuation was pretty low at that time. It's like about 100 million at the time. Right now it's growing a lot. And right now BigGet wallet, earlier called BigKeep, we serve more than 12 million users around the world. So I've heard like some people say that actually it's data wallet technology that's gonna inspire the next revolution. It's not DeFi, it's not rewards and whatnot. So clearly you think that wallet infrastructure is pretty important, I would imagine. Yeah, and given that it's a decentralized wallet with swap and on-chain, like multi-chain swap and different products such as NFT market, have that big wallet. And one thing that I like about the product when I did that investment was actually in between two concepts, which sounds a little bit controversial. Number one is how to build a crypto native wallet. But number two, how to give user a more centralized way of producing and operating because that's what we want to achieve is like smooth silk, great experience yeah, for our user. Yeah, I mean, that's quite a pendulum to exactly. balance. How do you do that? So we have some OGs in the space who started that wallet and they passed by the by leadership. But basically, one thing that we focus a lot is we look at what crypto users want and that's what I meant by having maybe multi-chain, SWAT, all these transactions done on-chain, decentralized. But in terms of a user interface and UX, UI, we learn a lot from centralized products. And the, the team come from a, like Web2, app building experience. And not just about experience or UI, UX, it's also a lot about security. So if you know wallet, Similar centralized changes, yeah. we all face big issue of hacks. Hacking is a big problem that we, we should solve. But for example, at Bigger Wallet, we also have similar issues, just like any other wallets. How we deal with it is 
we look at, uh, we actually learn a lot from centralized exchange part, and, and the two teams work together in certain ways. Like we share the protection fund that BigGet has, which is a 350 million protection fund that's helping our users to battle hacks or unstable activities or, or system issues. But basically, there are lots of minor nuances, but yet important things that both centralized exchange and decentralized wallet work together with. Makes sense, cool. Well, I'd really sort of like to touch on your more macro perspective, right? As an exchange, you see a lot of things and you've been doing a lot of travel. I thought I've been doing a lot of travel, but it sounds like you've been hitting a lot more passport stamps than me. And you just gave a keynote on sort of your outlook on the industry. I'd love to sort of start with like, where are we today in your mind? What are you seeing on the ground? This event is certainly bustling. This is my first time in Dubai. And, oh, it's uh, actually my fourth already. Fourth, fourth. So, Within a year. Um, so you're taking it all in. Where is like this moment in time? Where are we and sort of in particular in this region of the world? Yeah, Middle is a very important region. Actually, yesterday I talked about four regions, US, Europe, Asia, and the fourth one is Middle East. Of course, Middle East, many parts of Middle East is also part of Asia, right? But we took it out from Asia in general because the other parts of Asia in crypto space, such as Singapore, Hong Kong, Southeast Asia, East Asia, they act very differently. They have a big retail user base, Many cities such as Beijing, Shanghai, Shenzhen in China, or Bangalore, India, or the South Korea, these are also some cities for developers and retail users. And some central exchanges have big market there, including us. But when you look at Middle East, this is like some people say it's like a new gold mining that you really need to dig hard in order to mine something out, which I kind of agree. I'm also right now start to navigate the space. You have your pick, you have your shovel. <laughs> so in UAE, there is Dubai, there is also Abu Dhabi. Actually, Abu Dhabi's framework, what's the name of that? I can't find out, but anyway. They, and then also Riyadh. Their regulatory framework yeah. or institution is actually having providing something quite similar or like a competitor with the Dubai Svara. Okay. But we think both are very important. We are applying or working with both entities. And then there is Saudi Arabia, which is a filthy rich family and country. And they're really trying to get into the mix as well. They are, but they haven't had the matured enough regulatory framework. But I'm aware that actually some have some friends who have connection with the royal family. I'm aware that they are looking at the space very actively. They put in some money at some Web3 startups already, especially they are interested in things like gaming. Not really a lot on the FT or crypto or even NFT, but there are certain areas, technology, and certain things that has relationship with blockchain that they are actively looking into. Yeah, similar to like a family office, it's going to take a little bit of time for their sort of comfort to mature and, and whatnot. So were there other things you touched on in terms of your talk, in terms of the overall outlook, we kind of talked about where we are today. When you kind of pull out your future sort of crystal ball, where do you see us sort of two years from now, five years from now? How do we get past this sort of bear market? What's going to compel that? First of all, what can drive the next bull market? Personally, I think there are two things important driving the next bull market, which if I have a crystal ball, again, no financial advice, but 
I think maybe the bull market will start off maybe Q4 next year. The reason being, or rationale being, number one, when does the U.S. Fed start to cut the interest rate? Right now, it's the benchmarking rate is about five to five point two five, or is it anyway more than five percent? It's just unsustainable, right? Yeah. Even in the U.S., interest rate is just too high. But yeah, I mean, real estate rate, loan rates really, really high, higher than yeah. I ever thought I'd see them. Yeah, exactly. They still need to battle the inflation, but this is gonna change one day or another. So U.S. interest rate decrease is one factor that I think will mainly drive the next bull market. And another thing is the approval of spot ETF, BTC spot ETF, which is much different than the perpetuals, right? Like、yeah. people are like, well, the perpetuals didn't move thing. That's futures. Futures are very different than spot. You would know that better than anyone. Yeah. So for the spot ETF, once it's approved, they will. Really need to buy underlying assets in Bitcoin in order to hold it. And then yesterday we had the Coin Telegraphic news. That's quite fun, though, and it's quite absurd. So it's approved yesterday officially. That's what you see, right? Like immediately, just within is it 30 minutes or two hours, like the Bitcoin price went up for like 2,000 and come down again. But that's the power of approval of spot ETF. Yeah. 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 And anything else to add? Then let me see. So, if we look at the global landscape, I feel there is a word that someone told me, which I find kind of echoing, which is we call it Asia rise, U.S. fall. Okay. I don't know if I fully agree with that term, but this is something that people have been discussing. I guess after FTX collapse, SEC suing Coinbase and Binance, SVB and Signature Bank collapse, etc. Especially the SEC regulatory framework、yeah. and the unclear regulatory. Yeah, I mean, look, I just、SEC. talked to some founders based in the U.S. yesterday. That'll be another episode where I think there's some sadness and some disappointment with where the U.S. is regulatorily. So lovely to speak with you today. I learned a lot and appreciate your perspective on things. Looking forward to seeing you on the show. In terms of like where people want to go to learn more about you and follow along your journey and then learn about your change, where do they go on the internet? Sure. So I have LinkedIn, especially active on Twitter, which is at. Com. So find me at Gracie Biget. Yeah. There's no any other accounts that I have, and and I'm aware that there are a lot of fake accounts. Yeah.、Um, oh, you're becoming very popular. <laughs> it's good. I'm, I'm flattered, but still be careful. I will never ask for money or be careful about the scams in the space. Absolutely. Gracie Biget. Such a pleasure to speak with you today. Thanks for your time. Nice meeting you. Okay, we've reached the outer limit at the edge of NFTs today. Thanks for exploring with us. We've got space for more adventures on this starship, so invite your friends and recruit some cool strangers that will make this journey all so much better. How? Go to iTunes right now, rate us, and say something cool. Then go to edgeofnft.com to dive further down the rabbit hole. The views and opinions expressed on Edge of NFT reflect solely those views and opinions of the show hosts and its guests. Please make sure to do your own research. Our show is not financial advice. You understand that you are using any and all information available on or through this podcast at your own risk. Whenever making financial decisions, we recommend doing your own research and talking to your accountant for financial advice. From time to time, we may feature sponsored content on the show for which we receive value, and we may share links for which we receive a commission if you make a purchase through one of those links. Refer to our website www.edgeofnft.com for our full disclaimer, terms and conditions, and privacy policy. 